0: Mac Football Pod wasn't expecting this final score at all. Wasn't expecting this on Saturday. And I told you guys, there's no way in hell I was going to watch this game. I I watched uh, a lot of it, but I watched a lot of it on mute. So there were some things that I didn't catch in real time. Uh, Had the whole, you know, two TV setup going on Saturday. Um, Just kind of had Bowling Green, Buffalo Line in the background. Just kind of figured, hey, you know what? It'll catch my attention every once in a while the game that I expect to have happen absolutely will happen, just like it always does. And there's no reason for me to get all hot and bothered over this one. Bowling Green fifty six, Buffalo forty four at Buffalo. What a game, man. What <laughs> I mean, Bowling Green Bowling Green was defeated in Mac play headed into this while Buffalo was two and two. Uh Bowling Green was oh and four. Just two teams that like were not at the top end of what they've seen over the last decade and still had a lot of things to go to, like, get through this season and, you know, be better versions of themselves heading into next year. Not that they should be playing for next year right now anyways, and we'll talk about that later, but in the grand scheme of things, maybe that's kind of, like, the best mindset for all of them is to play the really long game. Bowling Green's a really young roster with uh, head coach that I'm not in love with a lot of people aren't in love with, but Bowling Green's doing things better than we thought they would to this point this year, right? Bowling Green did beat Minnesota. yeah, it's a bad team, but they did beat Minnesota. Bowling Green's not great on offense still, which is uh you know not surprising considering <laughs> if you like actually paid attention to Scott Lawler's career and uh you don't just immediately buy into you know, oh, he's definitely a good offensive guy. Yeah, you know, <laughs> let's uh, let's look at all the quarterbacks that he's ever coached. I'm not doing that right now. I've done that previously. But they changed up their defense with the defensive coordinator and things have been getting a little bit better for them this season. And so the defense is something to where like, you know, hey, you can't 100% sleep on them. Uh, some of the offensive players, you know, are starting to like find a rhythm out there and it's not just like, Maybe only two players are getting the ball. They're spreading it around a little bit. The running backs are making some plays. The quarterback plays getting a little bit better. The receivers are making more plays because the quarterback plays improved a little bit. So there's something to be said about Bowling Green's productivity. Um, but still, they haven't had a great season. They did beat Minnesota and the FCS team before that. But what have they done since then? They closed the gap against Kent State, still lost. They lost by multiple scores to Akron. That's not good. At home. Lost at NIU. A, you know, a thriving team. Maybe a little bit younger than Bowling Green. Definitely younger, I think. Lost 55-24 last week to Eastern. And so you go on this road trip at Buffalo. Uh, a game that you know no one's going to be watching because there's not a lot of other tangentially related Mac stuff going on. It's the only Mac game of the weekend. It's clearly in the shadows of Michigan Michigan State happening that was on my my, my main screen and Buffalo kind of looked a little bit more talented you know pound for pound than Bowling Green coming into the year and so I just kind of assumed that this game would just would show that you know whatever I thought of them in August whatever I thought of them in June whatever I thought of them this time last year I just expected to Bowling Green to not play well in this game right Buffalo, I mean, we know the coaching turnover happened. They're doing fairly well for themselves, but they're not, like, totally dominating. It was fun to get excited for them in the beginning of the year when they, you know, put up 69 nice points against the FCS team. They kind of kept things close with Nebraska, kept things close with Coastal, only lost by three. You know, really good matchup there but then you probably should have lost to Old Dominion, lost to Western Michigan, but kind of kept things close. Not really sure what to make of that is, you know, is that just like a bad, you know, a bad outing by Buffalo going up against a bad outing by Western. At this point it looks like it lost a shootout to Kent State, only beat Ohio by one, and then blew out Akron. So it's just like ugh, where exactly in the middle is Buffalo? And we found out that it's on the wrong side of the middle. And Bowling Green is uh well, looks like 12 points better on Saturday. 56 to 44. I still can't believe that. That is insane to me. Bulls were missing a few players. Kevin Marks was out with injury. Max Michael, Taylor Riggins, Giovanni Ruiz, uh Kyle Vantries, the quarterback. He started, but he left the game and Matt Myers had to finish things out. So it's not on the best. Like, Buffalo had a nice startup, and they weren't going to be, like, sloppy football players, right? They weren't going to be slouches in the Mac East this year. That, more than anything, is what they proved in September. Now that it's Mac play, it's like, show me what you got sort of deal. This is the game that finally bit Buffalo in the ass with, with a lot of turnover. They're just, you know, even though a lot of players did hang on not everybody left for for the Kansas, uh, like when Lance Leipold left, not everybody transferred to Kansas. Not everybody transferred out of Buffalo. Some guys stayed, but some of those same guys are, you know, on the sidelines with injuries. So one of the things that I was worried about with Buffalo was the depth. The top-end talent, definitely there. Second and third stringers, we don't really know what we have. We didn't really know what we had with Buffalo before that either. And so now we're at the time of the year where the depth is really starting to show. Where, hey, the twos and threes really have to play like ones. And not all of them could do that. And Bowling Green was mentally prepared to do that. They didn't have to go through a coaching turnover this past year. You know, they didn't have to refigure out the roster. They knew what they had coming into this year in December. Uh, A few things from this game, uh, looking at the box score. On first downs, even though... You see that Bowling Green won 56-44. Buffalo lapped the hell out of Bowling Green in the first downs category. Um, again, Bowling Green ended up in the end zone more, which matters more in the end of the day. But getting first downs, Buffalo was doing really, really good job with that. They had 36 first downs. Bowling Green had 11. So there weren't like a lot of sustained drives by Bowling Green, but there were a lot of big plays and uh, really fortunate field positions to start out with on some of these drives. But Bowling Green picked up, you know, 18 first downs by rush, 11 by pass, and seven of them by penalty. And because, you know, they were to establish so many drives, Bowling Green also, I mean, not Bowling Green, Buffalo also lapped Bowling Green in time of possession, 38 minutes to 21, uh, just under 22 for Bowling Green. Rushing wise, they were about the same. I was kind of surprised to see that in the box score at the end of it. Buffalo had 222 bowling green had 221, uh, Dylan McDuffie for the bulls, you know, had a good day. War number 41 for them, uh, had 166 yards. Uh, Terry Stewart for bowling green. He had a big day. 11 carries, 172 yards, couple of scores, average 15 and a half per carry. Jesus Christ. What a good day. Um, but it was nice to see, like the total yardage was like so close, but the averages were just like so much wider. Buffalo as a team, they were averaging three and a half per carry, but Bowling Green as a team was averaging eight point two. And Bowling Green on penalties, gotta say, man, one hundred seventy-seven yards given up, uh, as opposed to fifty-four yards given up by Bowling by uh by Buffalo. I hate two teams with bees. And in the penalties, uh, Buffalo had five penalties for 54 yards. Bowling Green, 15, gave up 177 yards worth of field position. Uh, some of that. Let's go right to the third quarter where Scott Loeffler lost it. Apparently, I don't I don't know why, but he had uh, two unsportsmanlike conduct penalties against him as the head coach, and is the first ever in FBS play to be tossed because of that. That's hilarious. That's that's just really hilarious to me. Yeah, that's hilarious to me. A little bit funnier. Uh, Roger Sherman over at The Ringer, uh, who loves bad football. Like, give him a good follow. Um, At Roger with a D. Scott Loeffler is Bowling Green's head coach and offensive play caller. That's really worth pointing out because after he got ejected for the two two unsportsmanlike conduct penalties, the offense immediately scored 28 points in six drives. Uh, and some of that, you know, like I said, you know, field position was pretty good for them. There was uh, a fake kneel down with under a minute left <laughs> where Matt McDonald just like took a couple steps in one way, acted like he was going to kneel, and then just like found a crease and just like went for 47 yards for a score. Uh, really stupid. Love to see that. So it was nice to see that Bowling Green scored four touchdowns and six drives. Also, about that 28 points that they scored after. Loeffler's ejection, Roger tweeted, head coaches have been eligible for ejection after unsportsmanlike unsportsmanlike penalties since 2016. Loeffler's the first coach to be ejected. In 18 minutes after his ejection, Bowling Green scored more points than in any full game over the last two seasons. Oh, i love to see that, man. You just love to see your head coach get tossed, your offensive play caller get tossed, and the team gets... So much better in a third of a football game in 18 minutes than you've done in two years. Oh my god, I hope someone important over at Bowling Green is reading that. If not, please retweet that, that way it can finally find their timelines, because that is insane. Someone need, someone at Bowling Green needs to see that. Uh, those people at Bowling Green, though, I kind of thought Loeffler for a while before the ejection was coaching himself into an extension like it just kind of seemed that way like after you lost to Akron you seemed like this is impossible now that you beat Buffalo it seems possible weirdly even though you were tossed I don't know it was 28-10 at halftime then Buffalo put up 13 more points in the third quarter uh, when things kind of closed up to like a 25-23 to ball game that was the score Bowling Green's way Bowling Green never trailed this one that's when Loeffler got tossed Oh my God! Probably the my favorite play from this game though, was in the very first drive by Bolton Green. Little short pass to tight end Christian Sims, went a couple yards ahead, lowered his shoulder, leveled number seven on Buffalo, just absolutely leveled him. A couple other guys go down trying to tackle him and failed, uh, and then he just went off for 81 yards, mostly untouched after that. After you lower the hit like that, you don't. You, no one wants to touch you after that. Uh, He goes and scores. He has two touchdowns for the day, but that was clearly like the coolest thing of the game. Literally like the coolest part of the whole game was Bowling Green's tight end in the first drive of the game. Uh, I would go through more of the game, but honestly it's just, you know, it's Bowling Green, Buffalo. It's not the biggest game in the world. Um, I will say the standout performances were by Dylan McDuffie and Terion Stewart. I already read off the rushing numbers, but uh, they both had really good games. Good games. Good games. Pretty okay day by the quarterbacks. Uh, Kyle Van Treese for Buffalo. He came out with an injury, and then Matt Myers came in. You know, five hundred passer, two hundred forty passing yards, one touchdown, one interception, was sacked four times. Matt McDonald, his throwing his throwing motion just looks like it came straight out of the early eighties. Um, two hundred sixty three yards on nineteen attempts, four touchdowns, no interceptions. You know, efficient day, efficient game. So Bowling Green, Buffalo, they score a crap ton of points. Uh, in the last episode with Caleb, I talked about a chaos scenario in the West where... Oh, you're, yeah, you're already cringing. I'm so sorry. Where everybody in the West finished with a 5-3 and three record. That's totally possible still. Love to see that. Let me tell you about a couple more chaos scenarios. Uh, East-specific east specific and they're just going to be two ways where where buffalo can win and then another way where bowling green yes bowling green can win the east uh it's very like not probable for bowling green to win it but honestly like i don't think anybody in the east deserves to win the east this year so uh let's just give this thing a shot buffalo easy enough for you right now you're two and three in mac play uh what you gotta do right now, and you absolutely have to you have to 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 win this game against Miami next week. You also gotta win the other two. Uh against NIU and at Ball State. A couple of crossover games to end the year, your last East game's coming up. You already have losses to Kent State and Bowling Green. You can't add any more um any more losses to that to uh, lose out on some tiebreakers. But you need to go five and three. Um that way, looking at Kent State and Miami, while you're five and three, you know, the other ones, you want them to lose out, of course. But if you go five and three and Miami finishes with the same record as you, you have to make sure that you have that win over them. But you can't beat a tiebreaker against Kent State because you've already lost to them, uh, 38, 28 a couple weeks ago. Bowling Green, it's a way, Worse if you guys make it in because everything else goes to shit. Uh, not that it already isn't because it's the East and it's not a good division. But let me tell you how Bowling Green gets into Detroit, uh, which you clearly don't want to see, but you might have to endure it anyways. And then Bowling Green would have to extend Scott Loeffler for four more years. And then it's just a whole thing. So Bowling Green, of course, they just beat Buffalo. And then if and they have to win out, of course, they have to win out. And if they win out, then they have a four and four Mac record, six and six on the year. We've definitely seen this stuff before. Um, What you're rooting for and you can survive some tiebreakers. I'm going to include some tiebreakers in this scenario. The you can win a tiebreaker. When you're four and four, Miami's four and four, Buffalo's four and four and Ohio's four and four, that's still on the table. You can do that. It's going to suck and we're going to love it. Uh, Miami to get to four and four, five and seven overall, and have Bowling Green make it in. Miami's got to lose this week to Ohio. Miami's got to lose to Buffalo. Miami's got to lose to Bowling Green, of course. And then last game of the year, you got you can beat Kent. You can beat Kent. That's fine. You can do that and be totally fine. Um, you actually, if you're Bowling Green, you are rooting for Miami to beat Kent because you need Kent to lose out and go three and five because if kent you know loses to niu if kent loses to central if kent loses to akron god forbid and still finishes the year with a win over miami going one and three over its final four then it's four and four as a tie-breaking win over bowling green can make it in so you do want kent to go own 4 the last four uh, Miami, you you're rooting for my Bowling Green. You're rooting for Miami to beat Kent State in the final game of the year. Buffalo just you know Buffalo can go four and four, six and six overall. Uh, just lost. It can beat Miami. It can beat Buffalo, and it can beat NIU. It's not going to beat itself, but it might. Um, so go two and one the last three games, uh, beating Miami, beating NIU losing to Ball State. Ohio can get to 4-4 four and four, if that's fun to think about by winning its next three games against Miami, Eastern Michigan, and Toledo. Uh, I don't believe any of those are possible, but it's definitely doable because this is a stupid year. And then lose the final game, of course, to Bowling Green to finish this and lose out the tiebreaker right there. Uh, we already said Kent State. Let me talk about Akron for a second because Akron's dumb and they absolutely should not win any games but I always learn that if you know anything about football it's that you're always wrong so just assume that Akron absolutely could go 4-0 the rest of the way they absolutely could beat Ball State they absolutely could beat Western they absolutely could beat Kent State they absolutely could beat Toledo I don't believe a word I just said but let's just say that Akron does go 4-0 if Akron does go 4-0 over these last four games they're 5-3 and if Akron goes three and one, they're four and four. Bowling Green, you already lost to Akron, man. You can't survive that. So even though it's an easy thing to root for, it's not a very comfortable position to be in where you're expecting all these things to play out. And one of the major things that is keeping you from holding your breath, you have to hope that Akron loses, you know, at least two of these next games. And they can't go 0-4 with Kent State also going 0-4 because those two teams have to meet up. We already said the wagon wheel is going to go in Akron's favor. So uh, out of the three games, out of the three crossover games, that's what you're looking at for Akron. Yes, it's doable for Akron to lose to Toledo and or Western and or Ball State. But if you're a Bowling Green fan, you're like really, really, really hoping for it. So it's a really fun time to be a Mac fan. And boom goes the dynamite.